to separate the real and the unreal, you're gonna... Hello? I told you never to call me! Do you hear me? To separate the real and the unreal, you're gonna have to use your brain. Are about to enter a world that blurs the line between fact and fiction, where truth is clouded by imagination. Five stories, some are real, some are fake. Join us as we play along with a television cult classic and go beyond, beyond belief. Hello and welcome to Beyond Beyond Belief, episode number 32. I'm Jesse Chapman. With me, as always, Chris Newth. Hey, guys. Kyle Maddock. That's a fact. Tiffany Persifka. Hey there. And Mark Wahlberg. Hello. Today, we're reviewing season three, episode 13 of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, which, if you don't know, was a 1990s TV show hosted by Jonathan Frakes that featured five stories that defied explanation, some based on real events, others totally fake. In our show, we try to figure out which are fact and which are fiction, and we love you guys listening to play along with us. You don't even have to know what Beyond Belief is. If you like strange stories, you'll like our show. We'll summarize the stories that we watched today. We'll make our own predictions, and at the end, we'll find out the truth together. Guys, this is the season finale of season three, the, the true season finale. We've watched 13 episodes, and we've done that uh, twice, and then season one was six episodes for a total of mathematicians. Uh, hmm. 13, 13. Just give me the trophy now. What are the three numbers? <laughs> So Mark has won season one and two. Ugh, and he will not damn. shut up about I'm it. I'm smugly sipping on tea right I don't now. want Mark to win, but I also don't want Chris to win. 32 so. episodes. Exactly. 32. I did the math. 32 episodes we've watched of this show. and uh, Counting this one? Guys, yes. Counting this one. And there's only 13 mm. left after this. So we will be taking a break. We usually take about a month off so we can... Uh, get some more episodes under our belt and then release them in a run. Um, but it's been a blast bringing three seasons of this show together uh, for you guys. And we're yeah. so excited about 13 more and coming so, soon. And in so eight. many ways, they just keep getting better and better. How do you mean? Yeah. Explain <laughs> that. Oh, you haven't been seeing that? What what gets better uh, Our better? episodes, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, ours is our top notch. Well, speaking of our episodes, we were talking a moment ago about our people, Mark... Is what? the reigning champion. Oh, yeah. Back, yes. Meaning, you know, we all make our predictions. The coin makes its own prediction. You know, we flip a coin every week, and then, you know, we try to see if we can beat the coin. But Mark is the reigning champion. Uh, so far, he has the highest win percentage of getting the stories correct. There's also another weird thing going on, too, that uh -oh. we should mention again. Is it, is it that the Tiffany's wearing a, a blanket when the air conditioning's off? Guys, I feel really comfortable right now, and I just want it to be comfortable. I guarantee that thing is off by story three. Um, okay. It wasn't that, nor is it the amount of lemon-lime Gatorades you're drinking. <laughs> it's it, been Chris, a lot lately. That's like your third one today. It's an And by today, I mean the last three hours. <laughs> habit. <laughs> Chris is uh, a reigning champ in a kind of different way. And could in potentially what way? That was so much better than go, what I was going to say. I, well, if you let me finish, I could finish this amazing segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, today will be a very important episode for Chris potentially going after. Statistically, it will be. Yeah, you know, statistically, it could potentially be an impossible episode. Let's put our Chris. math hats on. Jesse, can you explain why? Yes, uh, we have friend of the podcast, Alex Walsh, is our statistician uh, and listener, and he has a degree in economics, and he let us know that statistically, you've got uh, a 1 in 32 chance of getting 5 out of 5 stories correct. So, by random chance alone, today is the day that Chris should get all 5 stories correct. And therefore, no matter what I choose today, statistically, it'll be right. Now, are you guys, knowing that, are you guys going to be influenced at all by what Chris picks? No. I don't think so. No. <laughs> I've got to say, me neither. <laughs> Chris? Oh, am I going to be influenced by my own picks? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that makes sense. Solid choice. Guys, let's go ahead for our season three finale and dive into the stories today. We've got some kooky, wacky <laughs> stories to bring you guys, some fun stuff, and honestly, some stories that I truly have no clue whether they're fact or fiction. Sometimes I got a good, I got a good beat on it, 
I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel like a spinning square. I've gotten multiple zeros <laughs> this season, so I'm just throwing in the towel at this point. But I'm, I'll still play. <laughs> I'm not quitting yet. Yeah, but, but my heart. You know, I started this season strong. I got to end it strong. I'm well, going for 102, Chris. Oh, Ooh, there could be only one. That's not true. That's there could be. So there could, we could all five get 100. <laughs> Imagine um, that. That would be great. But so, we'd all have wait, to vote the same. Wait, the one time Chris gets 100, all <laughs> we of us get 100 too. We won't let him have this moment. Yeah. Chris, you got 100, but guess what? So did we all. Yeah, even the coin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into the stories today, guys. First up, the first story is called The Dealer. In this club, it is the dealer, Dale Blanken, who is one of those people with something to hide. Something strange was happening at Dale Blanken's table this night. Usually, in the games that Dale Blanken runs, the house wins. But tonight, something very unusual was going on. While everyone else seemed to be losing, one player was on a winning streak. His attitude was that of a man who knew he was going to win, no matter what. We've seen so many stories at this point. We we try to, like, as we're watching the episode, guess exactly what's going on. Like, immediately this one starts and we're like, oh, dead the whole time. Oop, nope, man out of time. Oop, nope. And I think we were right on all counts. Yeah. yeah. But you know what's great about the start of this one <laughs> is that the camera was focusing on a guy walking in and Frakes was like, so-and-so, blah, 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 walks in. But this story's not about him. And then we never saw that guy for the rest of the episode. <laughs> they got really creative yeah, they're with trying, their storytelling. You know, they're, they're trying to step up their game. Tiffany, you're going to give us the summary. What happened in this story? So this focuses on a dealer of like an underground blackjack table, Dale. And normally the house always wins at his table. But there is a soldier who's there who just cannot lose. And obviously, the guy who runs this underground illegal, you know, gambling house, Larry Schmidt, is kind of looking over at this table a little upset. And the soldier is kind of making comments towards Dale as if he's in on his winning streak, you know, about giving Dale a cut or even just knowing Dale more than Dale knows him. He's a complete stranger. So Dale takes a break and the soldier comes up to talk to him and confronts Dale about this illegal telemarketing scheme that he had done previously and that scammed the soldier's grandparents. Dale goes back to his car at the end of the night and not only are the soldier's dog tags in his car, but also a big pile of money. And at that point, the owner, Larry, comes out, sees the money and... Larry then shoots Dale off screen. It gets very dark there for a second. There's an actual gunshot noise. Yeah. And then there is an extra reveal at the end where, you know, looking into this this soldier, Larry finds out that the soldier with this name and, and these dog tags actually died in Vietnam 25 years prior. Can a soldier from the past come back to seek revenge for his grandparents who were swindled out of a telemarketing scam? Seems very modern for a Vietnam era ghost to, yeah. you know, come back. How years long has later. it been yeah. since we've had a he's been dead the whole time story? Well, last week, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, a yeah, week. yeah about one week from today. Hmm. Now, I'm going to bring back an oldie but a goodie. Ghosts make elaborate plans. <laughs> If you are a ghost and you can manifest enough energy to appear in a casino and swindle a swindler and uh, make you know go there night after night and make it look like he, you're bribing him and he's on the take and this and that, can't you just press his foot down on the mm-hmm. gas into traffic and have him accelerate off a bridge or something? It's just like such an elaborate concoction for this ghost to go through all this trouble. And who's going to tell the story? Larry, the guy who shot him and said, yeah, oh, by w- the way, I looked up the soldier after yeah. I shot this guy. Well, well, uh, well, for that, if like the police catch him and they're grilling him and they're like, we know you killed him and whatnot. Why did you kill him? He could be like, well, he swindled me out of money. And he told him, and he tried to cover it up with this cockamamie story about some ghost that was leaving money around. I know the guy <laughs> fucking swindled me out of money, so I shot him. Doesn't that sound like a stupid story? And the, you're, you're that, under arrest, Larry. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Like, yeah, I killed this guy last night. What are you up to tonight, Larry? Well, I'm gonna contact the local military branch. Look up this guy's name. <laughs> I got the dog tags. I'm gonna see if he's real. Could be a ghost. Who knows? <laughs> I just don't buy that this mob guy would go through that. Yeah, and Chris, how do you feel about the ghost element? Well, my problem with this is the idea that, and I've been wrong before, but I still. Find it hard to believe that this being travel, you know, what came back 
decades later to seek revenge for uh, on a family member. Like the, the Vietnam guy died in Vietnam. And then he's must have he must have gotten some authorization from some being from beyond. You go to a table, you take a number like a deli counter. Sure. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you need to go back and do some unfinished business. Oh, your grandparents were swindled. Yeah. Okay. You know, then he goes. The ghost from the beyond has to get some permission to return to the <laughs> current time. And who you is get a he, loan from like? God let's with say it's cash. traditional God. Like you go to God and you're like, yeah, I want to go back and set this guy up. And it's he, God's like. Go for it. Well, Chris, the rules would be he he hasn't like ascended or anything yet, right? But why is he waiting around for thirty years? Yeah, it's hard to. Well, he didn't have a plane ticket. He had a long way to walk. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we've talked about it. Let's go ahead and make our predictions, Chris. Fact or fiction? Based on everything we talked about, everyone seems to have issues in different ways, but it all points to fiction. So I'm going to say fiction. Kyle, I really was on the fence going into this one, but you guys convinced me that there's. Like, no kernel of truth in this one. Fiction. Mark. Uh, Exactly. I don't see a kernel also, so fiction. All right, I'll go next. I'm having a hard time buying this being written. Or is it that one of the writers got scammed in a telemarketing thing? And he was like, God damn it, I'm going to write a story about telemarketing. Maybe that's what happened. All right, I'll go fiction as well. (laughs) Tiffany. (laughs) I am definitely getting suckered into just not understanding that truth or that kernel of truth. So I'm going to go fiction as well. All right. We've all made our predictions and there's one more prediction to make, which is, as we mentioned earlier, the prediction of random chance. I'm going to flip a coin. Heads is fact, tails is fiction. And we will tally all of our stats at the end of this episode and find out if the random coin flip can beat our analysis and thinking. Let's go ahead. All right, the coin's going to vote fiction with us as well. So we're all right or we're all wrong on that one We're all on the 100% track. Hey, right now, (laughs) Chris, we could all be there. Statistically, yeah, you should follow my lead. (laughs) Yeah, we established I love how we're like, Chris is uh, never going to influence us. I'll vote with Chris. (laughs) He did go first. He did go first. Let's go ahead and move on to story number two, which is called Gratuity. Did you say mob member earlier? Yeah, like a Costco membership. You get a mob membership. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, triple non-fat latte. You're the best. Hey, what is that? No, Tip, are you saving your money for a facelift? (laughs) I can't believe you, Floyd. What? Oh, come on, Sal. I like how in the intro of this one, Jonathan Frake says, how much do you give a waiter for a tip? 15, 20%? He's just kind of floating it out there to make sure that he's tipping correctly. <laughs> he's trying to like fish for... All the camera people are like, the... yeah. And he's like, okay, go okay. No, yeah, he's, he's like, really, he's like, really, I'm famous yeah, and if, I don't if, know no, what you... Literally, if anyone knows how tip. much money to tip. Yeah. I mean, I could mm-hmm. really use a hand here. Do you tip Wait, dry wh- cleaners? Uh, can I make a controversial statement? <sighs> do we want to go this direction? I'm fine tipping waiters because they get paid below minimum wage, and that's kind of the system. I still don't love it. I think they should get paid actual wages, and we should abolish tipping. But I think other than waiters, why are we tipping anyone else? The tipping is getting a bit ridiculous. Why why do I I go? Everywhere I go. I go to get my haircut. I'm paying a price. They charge me a price. And then there's a tip on top of that. What is that tip yeah. for exactly? But before we started recording this, we all went down to the the shop, get us a, a meal, a sandwich. We walked up to the counter. We ordered. We walked down to the other place. We picked up the order. We left. And they still asked for a tip. And it's but like, I, well, where's, I, where's the legwork coming I in I think here? the people at those types of places, and you've been a server before, right? I have been a server. But I think the people at those types of places, I don't think they're getting paid below minimum wage, actually. I think that the people at those service deli I think counters right. are getting paid actual wages. I think you're right. So again, it brings me back. I'm going to I'm going to take a controversial stance <laughs> in this room and say I'm pro tipping. I'm not anti-tipping servers. I'm just saying we, why are love we tip, tipping. Why are we tipping everybody else? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make like, sense. Like why to do me. you tip your hairstylist but not the person at the grocery store? Wait, are we supposed to tip our dry cleaner? Guys, look I at have I, not. Know, I have thing. not it's tipped such my a... dry cleaner. Oh, okay. Chris, you're going to give us the summary for this story which is called Gratuity. Yeah, oh, yes. The <laughs> None of that's going. Well, you're not getting a tip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this one is about a taxi driver who's tired of people not tipping him. And so he buys this machine called the Insultinator that every time he hits it, it throws out an insult at a customer. You suck. 
Way to go, Brokey McBrokerson. <laughs> what? <laughs> and so uh, his girlfriend has a major problem with this. Why did he buy this machine that insults people? It's so mean, whatever. So she gives him a necklace of St. Christopher, the patron saint of travel. And it's supposed to help him with this problem that he has. Cut to, he picks up this guy. The guy doesn't tip him. He hits the insultinator and a compliment spits out of it. What a great sunshiny day. (laughs) The guy finds it really amusing, but he doesn't tip him anyway. He leaves the taxi. (laughs) Then the police show up, arrest the guy, and then tell the taxi, they tell the taxi driver, you're a lucky man. This was the the guy on the loose for a murder. Yeah, he's like a, a serial killer, apparently. Yeah. He and escaped it, from the penitentiary. And had he insulted him, he <laughs> may have killed him. In broad daylight, <laughs> in downtown LA. In, in the, yes, exactly. Uh, and thank God he didn't. So I guess uh, that St. Uh, Christopher necklace hanging from the rearview mirror stopped the insultinator from doing its thing. That is what the story is asking us to believe. Can basically a box from Spencer Gifts be thwarted <laughs> by the uh, patron saint medal and uh, save a guy's life? Can I just say, if there was ever someone who did not deserve a tip or gratuity yeah. of any kind, it's this punk kid who presses this stupid, childish machine that spits out really awful and not clever insults <laughs> to paying customers. Like... I just like can't believe that someone would even buy something like this. The more beyond belief it. aspect here is that he wasn't fired immediately yeah. or reported by several customers. Or the yeah. type of cab he was driving. Or that right. he had a girlfriend. Oh yeah, his cab his nineteen twenties cab. <laughs> I think the like the travel department couldn't, you know, find I think like Christopher a... was not looking out for him in that department. <laughs> couldn't find I'll a modern cab. There was even a weird thing where like they had the voiceover and he's like, I didn't wanna press the button. And then they wouldn't tip him. He's like, gotta have to do it. <laughs> As if it was, it. It's it was an like, impulse that he can't control. Yeah. yeah. Or it was like installed by the taxi cab company. And this is like part of their new job routine. <laughs> that, that machine really reminded me of, do you guys remember in the nineties, they had like the fart machines? Oh, oh yeah. You, it sure. was like the advanced yeah. whoopee cushion. You'd Back put in it, my day, we oh, had no. whoopee the, cushions. No, the one I had had multiple buttons and you could like mix up the farts, <laughs> the fart noises. Like a and fart make, like, DJ. A fart symphony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now imagine bringing that into work and using it on, you know, customers or people that you just don't like and keeping your job yeah, exactly <laughs> i will say that would be funnier this sounds very twilight zoney so i just think bob and mike might have run might have uh, yeah th- season three is coming to a close well, we okay pull so from cur- the bottom cur- of the bag kernel of truth for me is a device that some sort of cab driver was using had a malfunction and ended up saving his life. Okay, I have a little. I have an alteration. If you're, if you're, if alteration. Where's your suit? Look who's the insultinator now. (laughs) (laughs) So my here's my issue. My dilemma here is that I can believe that this Saint Christopher necklace may have had some kind of ability of some kind perhaps but it's not to change the recording of the insultinator you know what i mean <laughs> like it wouldn't right. affect that maybe maybe it you stopped it from working from and malfun- hit the button yeah, just a and, complete malfunction. and nothing happened but That's- to re-record audio lines on the like internal memory no way if it's fact the insultinator is 100 percent made up well we've talked about the story let's go ahead and make our predictions i'm gonna go first and do I think it's possible that a guy just had a killer in his car and then tried to make a better, bigger, more interesting story out of this? Absolutely. Fact. Chris? Yeah, I um, I don't think it played out exactly as we saw it, but I certainly think that uh, this is the type of thing that could happen. So I'm going to say fact. Tiffany? I just find this ridiculous, and I've already gotten so many zero percents that I can just go with my gut just and not analyze anything else. <laughs> so I like how fiction. the stakes for you are so low They're that you're just so like, low. I'm just flying free. I am, and it feels kind of liberating. I'm not gonna. I feel like so much <laughs> less anxious and less stressed. Feel like this the coin. I feel like the coin. Oh my god! I love it. Mark, I'm going fiction. Kyle, it, yeah, it's it's weird because it's so simple that it could definitely happen. But it's so poorly told and terrible that and I want to go. That I want to go fiction. Um, fact. All right, we've all made our predictions. Let's flip a coin. The coin is voting fact as well. We've 
all predicted. And now let's move on to story number three, which is called The Cake. So what'd you get me down here for? Why couldn't you just tell me what it was over the phone? I, I can't finish a cake. What are you talking about? Why not? I, I saw... I saw the face of the devil in the oven. You what? The devil's in the oven. Really? Is that a fact? What, what's he doing there? It's not warm enough in hell? You get back in there, you finish my cake right now, or you're fired. The cake. I'll give the story summary here. There's a baker, and the bakery is kind of controlled by the mob. The The mob boss is uh, dead, and he was a kind of a nice guy, but his son up and coming, not so nice. He comes in and he's uh, bossing around the bakery. He's like, hey, I want you to make this cake for me. He He's making the cake, though, and he opens up the oven and uh, sees uh, a floating uh, disembodied head. And um, so he calls uh, Martin Jr., which is the uh, the new head of the mob in the area, and he goes, hey, Martin, I'm not going to make this cake. And Martin's like, fine, get out of here. I'll make the cake. What? And so the baker goes home, tells his wife, I saw a floating head. And then right then they get a call. Oh, my God. Come down to the shop. There's smoke billowing from the uh, the bakery. So he goes down there, rushes down, opens up the oven. And there inside the oven is Martin Jr., the mob boss. Um, and then he finds out from the newspaper that the floating head that he saw was uh, someone that uh, is later proven that Martin killed. So the story is asking us to believe, can the mob kill a man? And then can that man's head appear in the oven and then uh, somehow trap him inside the birthday cake and catch him on fire? <laughs> Sounds perfectly this possible. This yeah, is uh, 100% fact. I think we can all Carnal move on truth. to story yeah, number four. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Does anyone else think the baker totally killed this guy? I thought that, yeah. Right? Like His it, fingerprints are everywhere no i didn't think that at all oh i kind of i don't know i got that i got i that think sense. that the baker i think i think and then told the story against himself well no because he told no, the story he was there the of truth he yeah. left him there alive by himself right it's it, he's the only witness to this he's the only person in there i think that the baker my thought was the baker he's part of the mob too like they're all part of the mob in it's, this town it, or whatever it also so seemed like a mob killing i mean the fact of him being in the cake mm-hmm. is where oh, yeah. it gets crazy yeah, but just him being to be in clear, an oven just is to be like clear, he wasn't just in the oven burned alive. He was baked into in the, cake. the cake. Yeah. For, and that's okay. where that's where it gets crazy. Here's me my thinking on this one is there's this baker and he is around these mobsters all the time. There's dirty, scary shit happening left and right. right. They're asking him to bake cakes for things. He starts having nightmares. He's seeing evil things in his nightmares and his waking life. He's scared. He kind of goes away. There's a killing at his bakery. All this shit. And after all these deaths and stuff happen at his place and there's a body found in the oven, the police interview him and he goes on this crazy story about all the shit that's been happening since he's been dealing with the mob. Yeah, I'll tell you a few stories that I saw in my day. Yeah, I was in that town. Oh yeah, I've been having nightmares. There's fucking de- devil. They're all the devil. And oh my God, it's burning and people are dying in the ovens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you don't even have to really have seen a floating head. I feel like <laughs> all you would have had to do is like find a dead body in your oven. Holy shit. And then like that whole next week, you're having nightmares. Oh, yeah. And then five, 10, 15 years later, you're telling this story. You're like, I totally saw a floating head the day of. And it's like, no, you didn't. You're conflating. Yeah. Your your memories are getting mixed up and all that stuff. I saw something. I was scared. I got the yeah. fuck out of there. Absolutely. I just think it's um like a mob retaliation. Yeah, like someone, the mob just killed somebody and put them in the oven. And that's the story. And they just kind of built the floating head. They baked that into the story. But why would the mob, oh, why would God, the mob go to the trouble of... What if this, putting him what, in the oven? If the if the baker wasn't the one they were trying to send a message to, it, you know what I mean? No, I mean he did something. It's a creative way to kill him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, all it is. Or they were just. Or, watching or maybe Sopranos. they chopped him up. Maybe it like wasn't a whole body with his head popping out like in this one. But it's kind of like in in Game of Thrones with the fray pies. Um, <laughs> what? Some dude chopped up some mob boss's son, put him in a cake, and then tried to serve the cake to the yeah, mob boss that with sounds, his son's dead body. In that it. sounds factual to me. My favorite part, though, is when this, um, you know, annoying mobster was like, fine, just leave. 
I'll just make the cake. And it's like, yeah, that's what a mobster would say. Like, I'll just bake. And then he goes back and angrily puts on an apron, starts flowering his hand. He's looking at the box of the instant cake mix. I can't believe that baker. Haven't had to use my own rolling pin in years. Four eggs. I need four eggs. Damn it. That is the most beyond belief. Yeah, that is the most beyond belief. Does anybody uh, think this one's fiction? Do we get some fictiony things? Chris, I you're do. looking a little weird. I am right? very skeptical of this one, and I do not think for a second it's true. It Whoa, does feel tell a us why. Well, I mean, first of all, it's very complicated and a little bit. It's just all over the place. The idea that he said he saw the devil, and it turned out, oh, it's uh, some some other guy that had already died or something that he had seen. It's very just, I just feel for some reason something's telling me uh, a writer just made this up. All right, guys. Well, we've talked about it. Let's go ahead and make our predictions. I'll go first. I don't think the guy saw the devil. I think he just kind of had some nightmares and it all got jumbled. Kyle. The only reason I would think it would be fiction is because everything seems so plausible that the writers may have just done a really good job. Fact. (laughs) Tiffany. Yeah, I think there's a kernel of truth here, and I I enjoyed the image of a mobster having to angrily bake a cake, so fact. Chris? I gotta go with my gut and say that this is probably fiction. And Mark? Yeah? Are you gonna go with me? I'm gonna go fact. Oh. Right. Oh, sorry, Chris. Aww. You guys are together. But I still want my cake. Chris is going for that hundred. Chris, Here it is. you are on your solo venture tonight. Mark, we're you gonna- could have joined me. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Let's slip a coin. Fact. We're going to move on to story number four, which is called First Time Offender. Troy Crane was a senior at the local high school in Butte, Montana. He got along well with the other kids, but lately Troy had developed a bad habit. When he saw something he wanted, he'd simply take it. Troy thought he could get away with anything as long as he had his lucky amulet, but he was wrong. That's him! That's him! Mark, you ever broke into a car? Um, yeah, I have. Why do you ask? <laughs> well, then you're the perfect person to give us this summary. Uh, first time offender. What happened? There. <laughs> he's sweating. <laughs> the car he stole is sitting outside. <laughs> he's still running. He's not even going to give a disclaimer about not stealing cars. He's just going to let this one ride. How great would it be if a siren went ha- with like let a siren ride. was in the background right this now? This is the perfect. longest sting operation. <laughs> 32 episodes in, we finally cracked it. <laughs> There's a teen named Troy, and um, he's starting to kind of get into some unsavory habits of kind of like stealing things and just being a punk. And one day he's caught stealing a watch and he goes to court. And in court, his mom gives a beautiful, loving testimony and explains that she actually bought that watch for him and has been paying installments on it every month. So technically, he was just picking up the watch. It was kind of a coincidence that he stole it. It's kind of confusing. Uh, so the judge goes, okay, you know, we'll let it go this time. And then all of a sudden, Troy's amulet, he had this amulet he's been wearing. He calls it his lucky amulet. It snaps off him. The chain just snaps. And he goes to pick it up and then it moves towards the judge. And he tries to pick it up and it keeps moving as if someone's pulling it. The judge looks at it and asks if he can see it. And upon closer inspection, realizes this is the amulet that I gave to my wife which was stolen off her two weeks ago very aggressively by some kid who actually matches your description. You're going to jail. You're going to jail. Uh, This story is asking us to believe, could a series of unfortunate events have put a child uh, teen in front of the judge that he stole the wife's necklace and left her with a pretty bad scar, Mm -hmm. if I remember. This entire episode should just be called Mobsters and Necklaces. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This entire series. And and you add the necklaces in to cover the non-mobster stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. We had the St. Christopher necklace. Oh, we've got got this necklace. I forgot about that necklace. We've got the two stories with mobsters and then the other one doesn't fit, but you know, whatever. Beyond Belief's bad with themes. We know this. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized, though, it starts off with a kid, like, like the voiceover kind of the kid being like, oh, yeah, I can do anything as long as I have this lucky amulet, which I've always had. But then the judge was like, oh, yeah, this was stolen off my wife two weeks ago. So in other words, he's just been living it up for like 12 days, you know, <laughs> unreliable narrator. Yeah, but all yeah. But also oh, the amulet, not that lucky. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, was, it didn't even work. Like, it I don't didn't understand. Even work. Well, he, he was pretty lucky until it fell off. Yeah, yeah, but that's pretty unlucky. Because he goes <laughs> to court to and then his off. mom tells a story and he's like, all right, you, you, you're off. 
Yeah, what do you guys do you guys buy let's break this down into into chunks. Do you guys buy the fact that a kid stole a watch that his mom the same watch his mom was making payments on? Now they do set that up a little bit where the mom says, you know, he had pointed this watch out to me months ago and he really wanted it, so I started making payments on it. That part alone seems With that it, believable to me. That makes yeah. sense. It makes sense and then that he would steal it later like that right. adds up. I feel like this is just a crazy coincidence. Like, obviously, the amulet being moved on its own is the not real part. But the fact that, I mean, it's a very big, bulky, um, the judge could have easily, at, like, kind of recognized it and asked to see it. And it's just, like, a bad, co- like, bad luck. It's a coincidence that this kid happened to be in the courtroom with the judge whose wife he stole it off of. That's all this is. Right. For me. Imagine if this one took place uh, in the past in a small town. Not that many people. A windy town. Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm picking it in my mind like a Wild West kind of town. Imagine how easy that would be <laughs> if you steal it off somebody yeah. and all of a sudden you're... Chicago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. What the hell is that? Come da, da. on, babe. Why don't we paint that town? <laughs> bum, yeah. bum. Kyle, fact or fiction? Do I believe that a judge may have recognized something or someone in a court case that reminded him of another case? Yeah, absolutely. Fact. Mark? Yeah, I think this is a crazy coincidence-based story that you would find in your local paper, or I don't know where you find news anymore, but uh, fact. It's called the internet, and I am also going fact. I, I just believe that... <sighs> yeah, this this whole like the necklace turned into a goldfish and like was <laughs> slipping out of his hands. That part's nonsense. <laughs> it was kind of like the squiddy things from the Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. Flopping around. Yeah. Uh, fact, Chris. Do I believe that a judge um, could have gone through this weird experience and had this crazy coincidence happen? Yeah. But I also think that writers could have totally made it up. Fiction. Mm-hmm. Tiffany. Oof. I think it was a, a coincidence-based one, and just bad luck, so I'm going to say fact. Let's flip a coin. That was the worst flip I've ever seen. He's done worse before. Fiction. Okay, Chris, the coin is with you. And with that, we are going to move on to the... Mark is shaking his head. He cannot believe it. This is such it. a crazy episode. We don't know no, yet. In terms it might of, be. It might not be. Right. It could just in be, terms of predictions. Could be in terms of crazy. predictions. This could is, be a big duh. Also, this... A big old The way uh, we're voting right now, I mean, it always matters, but this really matters because this could put one person over the other person to yeah. win season three. Absolutely. Right. You at, the, me, at the end of the episode, we will review these season statistics and find out who is the season long winner. But until then, let's move on to our fifth and final story, which is called The Mirror of Truth or Fiction. Beyond Belief, Truth or Fiction. <laughs> the working title. As a cosmetic surgeon, I don't usually visit patients at home, but Jocelyn Marshall sounded desperate over the phone, so I made an exception. She told me she would never leave the house until the problem with her face was solved. I had no idea what to expect. Her bedroom was nicely furnished, with various photos of a once pretty woman I assumed was Jocelyn. But what did her face look like now? And why was she turned away from me? This story starts off with a plastic surgeon who looks like evil Aaron Sorkin. Really? Oh. I don't think I know what Aaron Sorkin looks like. I don't know. Mark? Um, sure. I mean, I know what he looks like, but I don't know. Tiffany? I didn't see it, really. Chris? What was the story again? (laughs) So, Jocelyn Marshall has a plastic surgeon coming to her house because there is something terribly wrong with her face. Which we won't find out till the end of the episode. But first, she tells a story about what happened. She goes to a salon where the salon technician? What do you call a person who lurks at a salon? Beautician. Okay. The beautician um, uh, is telling her what she's going to do to her face. And this woman, Jocelyn, is the rudest, most horrible, terrible person ever. She thinks she's the prettiest thing ever. Don't you mess up my face. My life is perfect. Oh, I can do anything I want with this beautiful face. Well, she wakes up because she fell asleep, apparently. And um, she does not like what the beautician did to her face. She treats her like shit. And the beautician, out of nowhere, curses her. As they do. Okay. And then Ron, Jocelyn's husband-to-be, calls it all off, calls the wedding off, leaves, can't even physically look at her. Um, (laughs) His eyes cannot look at her face. He's like, like, 
I can't. Cut back to present day. The plastic surgeon is looking at Jocelyn and he's like, there is nothing we can do to fix your face. She picks up a mirror, looks at her face, and it is frightening how alien and awful and terrible she looks. Reminded me of the Donnie Darko, like, creepy rabbit creature. Oh, yeah, totally. So she puts down the mirror and then she turns to face the camera and there is absolutely nothing wrong with her face. So the story is asking us to believe. Can a beautician who has no uh, no history in uh, curses at all uh, that we know of uh, actually put a curse on someone that makes them see themselves as ugly as their uh, insides are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, T- Tiffany, you got some issues with this one. Not Well, I, I t- we had the really annoying makeup one last time where I was like, you know, women become friends um, by showing each other that it's what on the outside that counts and all they talk about is makeup and now it's like women being catty and showing each other that it's on the outside that counts by cursing each other about their looks like it almost reminded me of the curse from like beauty and the beast as well as actually that other um twilight zone episode Uh which i'm sure mark is gonna bring up which i'll let him explain that there is something yeah it draws from a lot of things that are out there and there's nothing kind of unique or organic about it so i don't know i i bet you each and every one of us, all the people watching, there is something physical on all of us that we see so much different than the rest of the world sees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's such a plausible thing. That's such a believable thing in this. For a woman to go to an extreme of that belief and think that her face is just... But, but suddenly, though, that's the thing. It's like this is uh, brought on in an instant. Like Well, she this is-, is brought on by a person that she lo- loves saying he can't even look at her anymore. I'm leaving. Oh, you. so I see. You're saying that the the whole curse aspect isn't really the well. This is a woman who is a terrible person, and so oftentimes I find terrible people will never take the blame for something. It's always someone else's fault. Mm-hmm. So asking her about the story, what happened? Oh, a beautician. She ruined my makeup one day, and then my husband left me. She cursed mm-hmm. me. I would say this could easily take place in a different time period, which will always bother me. Yes. But again, I'm just predicting with the wind. So. Um, <laughs> it does seem very similar to the Twilight Zone episode. Thank you, Tiffany. You're welcome. Uh, entitled good Eye of the Beholder. Yes. Th- this segment was called, um, very similarly, Smy of the Smolder. It's true. So I don't know where they got their inspiration. Sty in your beholder? What was it? What'd you say? I think you heard me. But yeah, I wonder if it's just an extreme case of like body dysmorphia or something like that. Bingo. That's what I wrote down. That's what Chris wrote right after I said Like how you guys made me say all these things that I couldn't even remember the term and you're just sitting there laughing at me under your breath. Is it an extreme case of body dysmorphia or an extreme case of plagiarism? Possibly both. Both. Yeah. Is it possible there are that no the, original ideas. Are, are any of these Twilight Zone episodes, do you think, based on some sort of actual account or something? I've never, never heard about that yeah. with Twilight Zone, but I think maybe there's just the kernel of like this person thinking she looked like a troll or something horrible <laughs> like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's oh what, my God. I was only, I'm not saying she looked like a troll. How rude. In the, in the special effects made her look like a troll. Anyways. She did look like a Tolkien creature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, then they just kind of thought it was maybe kind of fun to wrap it up in this Twilight zone homage. But the kernel is, is true. I'm thinking that she looked like a two-year-old rotted rabbit. <laughs> yeah, everyone's cool with that. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Are you saying the rabbit was two years old and it had rotted or it had been rotting for two it years? It had been rotting for two, that two is... and a half years. Oh. So in well, that range. Two, two. Well, at, at that age, the half really does matter. Mm-hmm. I'm two and a half years old. Thank you very much. Yeah, I really appreciate your guys' commitment to this. <laughs> well, we've talked about it. Let's go ahead and move on to predictions. I think that... You know, you guys were kind of convincing when you were talking about, you know, maybe the surgeon reached out to some sort of psychiatrist and there was a study done on this woman, Factor Rooney, on this one. So I'm going to go fact on this one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to stick with Factor Rooney? Um, it was cute. No. What my mom would say. Mark. Yeah, I think there is a kernel to this one. Um, so I'm going to go fact. Tiffany? I just feel like this feels writer to me, fiction. Chris? I'm going to say that I believe this one. I'm going to say fact. Kyle. God, I really want to say fact. But it's so facty. <laughs> Fiction. All right, we've all predicted. Let's flip a coin. 
fact, says the coin. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to find out which stories were fact and which were fiction. So first up, first story, the dealer. This is the one about the guy who was a Vietnam vet who came back to set up the, uh, the guy who had, uh, swindled his grandparents out of some money. Uh, now as a recap, Chris, Kyle, Mark, and myself, and Tiffany, we all thought this was fiction. Let's find out what the truth is. If you thought this story of a son's revenge was true, we gave you a raw deal. It's a hoax. Fiction. Chris, what, what you doing? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Let's ride it out. How did I already forget what you voted? <laughs> I think we, Chris forgot what he voted, too. We all voted the same on that I think one. it's computer died again. <laughs> well, this is a good start. All right, guys, let's go ahead on to story number two, which is called Gratuity. This is the one about the cabbie who ended up installing an insultinator and then, through a good fortune, didn't insult the wrong man. Your hair looks weird. You should put some makeup on. (laughs) Day late and a dollar short. Chris, Kyle, you guys think that this is fact. I agree with you. Tiffany, Mark, you guys think it's fiction. Let's find out what the truth is. If you thought this one was based on an actual event, we took you for a ride. This one is absolute fiction. Fiction. Chris, how are you feeling right now, now having just lost your shot at the five out of five stories, correct? Mm, Devastated. Just devastated. (laughs) Why are you smiling? Looking at your face, you've never seemed happier. (laughs) Are you excited that you're an anomaly? Kind of. <laughs> no, that's not how this works. Now he has this to fall back on. Well, I didn't really I, want... I, I but not like only five. will I be an anomaly, but I will also win season three. Oh. It could happen. That's what my guess is. Interesting. And that's We're what I have to bet on. Because <laughs> I, I have nothing left. I don't know if Chris is going to win season three, but I do know, Mark, I feel like you've dropped. Just based on my... So you're saying there probably will be a winner week. no matter you've, what. You've had lower weeks this season. I have. Than, than past seasons. So yeah. You lost I mean, your charm. Yeah, I Your guess amulet. they just stopped caring. <laughs> Your amulet slipped away yeah. like a wet, slippery Whoa, what's fish. what's that going across the floor? Yeah. Well, there's his charm. Oh, I went to the cat litter box. <laughs> mm-hmm. What a shame. Let's move on to story number three, which is called The Cake. This is the one about the mob-controlled bakery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all should have voted fiction on a mob-controlled bakery. What were we thinking? Are you kidding me? Laundering money, man. It's they have a happen. lot of companies. It's going to happen. Now, as a recap, Kyle. Tiffany, Mark, you guys think this is fact. I agree. Chris, you think it's fiction. Let's find out what the truth is. Did our research show this was inspired by an actual event? Yes, it did. A similar event happened in the Chicagoland area. Fact. Chicago. Chicago. (laughs) Guys. Chicago. Wait, did he say Chicagoland? That's like Disneyland. It's (laughs) It's located inside of Epcot, actually, so... It's a little different. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter that you got that one wrong also. I mean, how could that not be in Chicago? (laughs) All right, guys, let's go on to story number four. This one is called First Time Offender. This is the one about the magic amulet, which wound up in the hands of the judge it was stolen from two weeks prior. Now, Kyle, Mark, Tiffany, you guys think this actually happened. I agree with you. Chris, you think this one is fiction. Let's find out. (laughs) Oh, my God. I just glanced over to his notebook. It is the scrawlings of a lunatic. <laughs> I'm going to take a photo right now. <laughs> He's just a scribbling line. He has, he has lost his mind. He's so upset. <laughs> He's should, lost his mind. I should have gotten a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to take that moment. Okay. Uh, we all think it's fact except Chris. Let's find out what the truth is. If you thought this one was a figment of our writer's imagination, you were right. It never happened. Fiction. Can I change my answer to the next one? Ooh, no. no, you cannot. The Mirror of Truth. This is the one about the woman who claimed to be ugly even though she was beautiful. What's going on here? Now, I think this is actually a true story. Mark, Chris, you guys agree? Tiffany, Kyle, you think it's fiction. <laughs> no, no, not really. Can yeah, I change well, that? Well, Tiffany, Kyle, you think it's fiction. Damn it. Let's find out what the truth is. This story of a tortured soul is based on an actual experience that happened near the Florida Gulf Stream area. 
fact. I don't think that's a real place either. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's fiction. It's near a jet stream that whipped through Florida in the late 80s. Um, guys, let's do a quick recap on the statistics of this episode, and then we will follow it up with a season recap of the statistics. Did anyone only get one correct this week? Did anyone only get two correct this week? Kyle, what happened? I uh, went with Tiffany at the end there. I got more than two, so. Well, whatever happened with you, happened with me. I oh. also got two oh. this week. <laughs> Doesn't it feel good not to be the only one? It's usually lonely at the bottom, but thank you for being here, Jason. Yes, I'm here. I'm here for you, as always. Did anyone get three correct? I did. Tiffany, very nice. Three correct. That's I also did. Hey. 60%. You got your normal. Right back. Whenever you reach for 100, you drop down to 60 like a lightning flash. Just a 60. Strikes again. Mark, what did you do? Four? Yeah, I got four. You got four. Reaching for the five, but he got four. I was really reaching for it this time. (sighs) Way to slide into home with a good score. I know. You know who also got four? The coin. Oh, man. Isn't that annoying? I feel like, you know, some of us, Mark, should predict each week, and some of us, me, should flip a coin each week. (laughs) (laughs) It might just work out better for all of us. Yeah, Jesse, you probably have the lowest this season. I don't want to talk about it. Um, All right, guys. Now, we're going to do a season-long recap. Who has the highest win percentage of the season? We are going to include the guest's as one category, right? So what's the guest win percentage? No. Okay. And this is the entirety of season three. Yes. Right? And if from episodes, season three, episode one, all the way through season three, episode 13. Okay. So we are crowning a season three winner tonight. Absolutely. The crown is about to be given as crowns are. Mm-hmm. Let's we find should out. start with the lowest percent first. We absolutely should. We're going to start in the low end. And on the low end for season three, with 43%. Oh, jeez. Which is our guests this season. Oh, Whoa. <laughs> I really thought they were going to beat all of us. Like, they just breathe That's in. fair. <laughs> looking, you know, they, looking back. They come on in. They think they know what's going on. They're mm-hmm. very uh, confident. And they came in un- uh, significantly under chance. Yeah. They would have been much better served flipping a coin. And they don't learn from experience. They just come in and just don't even remember what it's, they it's, did it's almost time. as if they've only come in one time yeah. it's ridiculous or if you're claire twice that's true <laughs> claire if you're listening to this stop whatsapping chris with better theories than we had on the episodes that we just did <laughs> she always sends me a message and she makes this <laughs> right elaborate point that i'm like i can't argue with that <laughs> and we're all like why didn't we think of that so the rest of the scores are going to be all of us right so I'm going to tell you the lowest score out of all of us is 45% accuracy, okay? The highest score out of all of us is 67% accuracy, okay? Oh, man. So that's quite the spread. <laughs> Here we go. At 45%, Tiffany. Yeah, no. I knew it. No. It was a bad season. For- Shut up. You don't sound surprised at all, Mark. <laughs> Wait a second. Well, you had a few zeros this season. I did. They totally brought me down. Mm -hmm. It was not good. Oof. 48% is the next highest score. Kyle, it looks like you might be sharing that room with Tiffany (laughs) at 48%. Damn it. Is this my first time below 50? I think it is. Yeah. It might be. Oof. I'm not far ahead with 51% accuracy. Mm. You went way up, though. I well okay we don't have to say <laughs> way up way up that's true I went a few percentage points up I definitely hold had, on I definitely had a fall from grace from previous uh, season one though now it's between Chris myself and the coin correct what if the coin got number <laughs> Listen, one Mark you hey. could have it for the third time in a row I kind of love it <laughs> if the coin won next up fifty three percent and I would like to point out before I reveal this that. Between Tiffany, Kyle, myself, and the next in line, 45 to 53, we're all really close, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really tight race for this season and for the overall winner. This is all bringing our averages pretty close, which does kind of lead us to the idea that we should all be flipping a coin. <laughs> <laughs> next in line at 53%, Mark. <gasps> oh. oh, my God. I'm not looking at you, Chris. 
<laughs> I refuse to oh, look you in the eye. He can't look at me. I never thought I'd be rooting for the coin. So this wait, is, what this was Mark's awful. percentage? This Mark, is horrible. Mark, you had a significant fall from grace. Fuck you, Chris. If it's Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, the next score in line is a significant jump up to 60%, <laughs> which is indeed the coin. Oh. Which means, Chris, you have the winning score of 67% accuracy. Whoa. I'm Kyle, not you're not for clapping. That. Fine. I am the anomaly. <laughs> That's like oh, his game hell. name now. Guys, he oh, just... The did anyone else see Chris just disappear in a cloud of smoke? <laughs> that was really weird. Hey, by the way, Jesus. though, um, I demand a recount. <laughs> yeah. So another this, two hours This tonight. isn't official until we go back through. all these. <laughs> We're going to be keeping the stats along the way instead of like waiting for 13 episodes and then going back through listening to all the episodes again and tallying. I'm just saying, though, that Chris is from Florida. <laughs> oh, good oh. point. Yeah, I'm no, no, no. I'm I some back. hanging chads. Uh, <laughs> it's an oldie, but a goodie. On my ballots. Once we're you all done I mean? doing all the seasons, we should <laughs> so, go back and rewatch them and see who has the best memory. No <laughs> oh, a whole new show. Beyond Belief 2.0. <laughs> yeah, we just people are like, "What are you doing after this podcast?" The same show again. <laughs> the same show again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Twilight Zone episode. I do not want to see. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. For the listeners out there, thank you so much for making this show so enjoyable for us to watch this old, fun, classic 90s, 2000s nonsense and bring it to you guys every week. We have a blast. We would love for you to spread the word on this podcast to other people. We are going to take a month off, but we will be back and we will wrap up with two more parts. We'll do probably seven episodes and then six episodes, uh, and then we'll be done. It's coming to a close. It's a little nostalgic already. I nostalgia on top of nostalgia. Present moment nostalgia is the term that I've coined. Hmm. The anomaly. Okay, he's back. He's back again. I can't tell if he's back or if he's disappeared. He went to Chicago. <laughs> I went to the Florida Gulf Stream. <laughs> Where you're from? It's not a real place. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, this is beyond beyond belief. Beyond Beyond Belief is produced by five friends living in Los Angeles. Our theme song was written for this podcast by David Russo, who composed music for the original series. Our introduction voiced by Mark Winston. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app, and tell a friend. All audio clips are used strictly for educational commentary and are copyright their original creators. You can send us feedback, questions, or share your own story that is Beyond Belief by visiting our website at beyondbeyondbelief.com, as well as find show notes and links to us on social media. Thanks for listening. Insultinator? Insultinator. The Insultinator. 2000. It's like the Terminator. So here's how the machine works. Every time uh, someone doesn't give him a tip, he hits the button and it throws out a an insult at them. You're ugly. Yeah, something like that. Way to go, cheapskate. Perfect. Something yes. more like that, actually. Yeah, very... Um... Do a better intro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a second. <laughs> Your intro's piss poor, boy.